This is the Yahoo Finance Sportsbook Podcast. Okay, welcome back to Sportsbook. I'm Dan Roberts, and we have spent most of the summer talking about golf, and now most of the fall talking about football, which makes sense. But on this week's episode, we're taking a quick interlude to talk about racing, believe it or not, NASCAR racing. That is because we were lucky enough to have a guest recently at our AOL Build studio, our friends over at Build, which is also part of the same parent company, the guest, Dale Earnhardt Jr. And I was lucky enough to sit down and chat with Dale for about 15 minutes. Dale is promoting a new book, as all recently retired or current athletes always seem to be doing. His book is called Racing to the Finish, My Story, co-written with ESPN's Ryan McGee. Now, I'm always skeptical of athlete books, athlete memoirs. Certainly, there have been some great ones, but for the most part, they're slim, they're breezily written, there's not much to them. Uh, By the way, I said there are a few exceptions. Open, which is Andre Agassi's book, I think the best athlete memoir ever. Uh, Dennis Rodman's book, Bad As I Want to Be, is good. Of course, all of these are always co-written with someone. So there are some good ones sometimes. Uh, And of course, I've I've heard good things about the new book on Tiger Woods, though that is not a memoir uh, that is written without Tiger. So this one that, that Dale Earnhardt has out now and is promoting, I picked it up with some skepticism, but it actually surprised and impressed me. The topic, the main topic in the book is concussions came as a surprise. Pretty much the entire book is about head injuries. There is a lot of honesty in this book, uh, including notes from Dale Earnhardt's iPhone that he took when he started having problems as a result of brain injuries from crashes. So listen to this. He says, I've never shared these notes with anyone until now. This is what I wrote in the days following that April 2014 Texas crash, just a few weeks before my decision to lift at Talladega. Lift meaning take his foot off the gas and go a bit easier. That's how the book opens. He admits to going easy in a certain race because he uh, was scared and kind of lost his edge a little bit after all these injuries to his brain. He writes, the notes on my phone start in the medical center at the racetrack where every driver is required to visit following a crash. From the track medical center, it was home, then to a test session at Michigan Speedway, and then off to Darlington Raceway for the next event. These notes, the first I jotted down, are the vicious cycle I found myself living in after every hit on the racetrack. Here are the notes from his phone that are in the book. Went home feeling a slight headache and visual issues like erratic eye movement, not being able to focus on a single point or object, more than slight airheadedness or grogginess. Spent night on couch with Amy, got tired and went to bed. Felt trapped in my head, but just slightly. Couldn't focus or remember simple things. Groggy head Tuesday AM over 12 hours after accident. Emotional frustrations too. Cleared up mostly by afternoon, 24 hours after event. Felt almost 100% by dinner, but was tired and ready for bed by nine. Slept well, woke up feeling happy and solid. Wednesday noon, still some slight mental mistakes or slip ups. Walked into a clear glass wall I thought was a door while focusing hard on racing mural. Could be a throw-it-in-the-concussion-bin moment, but I think it's still a slight lack of mental sharpness that will be better by Friday. There are notes like this throughout the book, Um, and I have to say, I I think reading them, it's an emotional experience. Uh, Again, I'm impressed. I think there's a lot of honesty here. And then, sure enough, at, at one point, he says in the book, Suddenly, whether I wanted to be or not, I was the spokesperson for concussions in auto racing. That's after he started talking about it at a press conference and surprised a lot of people. I think this was 2013, 2014. 
and so sitting down with Dale to talk about this book, my first question was about the reception to it. You know, were you nervous to talk about this? There's a little bit of a stigma, uh, I'd say, especially in football. You know, NFL players who come out and start talking about this issue uh, are not universally well-received. Uh, you know, there's some people who, who try to bury this issue. They think it's overblown. And so I asked Dale how his peers in the racing world reacted, uh, and he had an interesting response. We are going to just play the full interview for you. We ended up asking Dale a wide range of questions. We asked about women in racing. We asked about his business advice. Uh, whenever we get a current athlete in or a former athlete in, you know, this is Yahoo Finance, I like to end by asking them, do you have any stock picks? And we've had some really interesting responses to that uh, over the years. You know, we had Rob Gronkowski in here, and, and when I asked Gronk that question, he said, stock picks? I don't even know what that means, <laughs> which is, is hilarious. Uh, you can find that clip on, on my Instagram account. Uh, it's, a, it's a fun video. My Instagram username is Danny Robs, R-O-B-S. Uh, and then recently we had in Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, we asked him his financial advice, and he said, save your money. Uh, another example, not from the sports world, we had in Cheech and Chong, Tommy Chong and Cheech Marin, and we asked their financial advice or investment advice, and they said, real estate, because it's real. That was what uh, Tommy Chong said. He said, buy real estate, which is not bad advice. So uh, at the end of the interview, we asked Dale that, and I, I thought he had a really interesting response, much more than we usually get, more color. Uh, he brought up Pandora and buying stock in companies that you actually like and support. Similarly, he had the same argument to make about endorsement deals. It was really interesting to hear him say that an early endorsement deal with Budweiser was a huge stepping stone for him to getting in other ads, to getting other opportunities. He also said doing MTV Cribs was huge early in his career. So it's funny to hear uh, little nuggets like that. Um, Again, I would just say that you know I thought it was a candid, interesting interview. He gave us a lot. I appreciated it. He was generous with his time. And especially interesting commentary on concussions and brain injuries in the sport of racing. So here's the interview with Dale Earnhardt Jr. We did it at our AOL Build studio in the green room. Let's start with the new book. Uh, there's so much in there about concussion experiences. And at one point you say that you kind of inadvertently became the spokesperson for concussions in auto racing. Tell me a little bit about that. Were you scared to put that out there? Yeah, I was a little, a little bit worried about being, being the spokesman for concussions in, in our sport. Uh, because, you know, you don't want it to minimize your accomplishments or what people, you don't want it to be who you are. It's just something that happened to you and you experienced. And... Um, uh, yes, I was a little bit nervous about that. And there's that, you know, there's this worry from anyone, um, particularly athletes, that once you have a head injury that, that it sort of diminishes your ability and you're, you're sort of labeled as damaged goods. I didn't want that either. And um, so it was, uh, it was something I thought about. I got encouragement from my doctor, the guy, Mickey Collins, who I saw in Pittsburgh that gave me all the tools to get well. He has encouraged me uh, as I've gotten more and more transparent to continue to do so because he's seeing people in his office every week that say their connection to being there is through me and something they've read or saw. or And so he's encouraging me to continue to share and, and encourage people to, to make the right choices. Did you talk to any of your peers in the sport about coming out so honestly about concussions? Was there any pushback? You know, in the NFL, sometimes a lot of guys are afraid to talk about this topic. 
yeah, I'm a little nervous about how my peers feel about it, but I haven't had many conversations at all about it with those guys. And this is my personal experience, and I'm sharing that on my own accord. And, and I don't know how that could be a problem for any of those guys. And I just, uh, you know, hopefully, if anything, they read the book. And, and the book is uh, such a great sort of accumulation of all the things that I did good and bad in this whole experience. And it's, it's not gloom and doom. It's a bit of a lesson and uh, it has a good ending. So I was, uh, you know, I was really um, hoping that some of those guys might read it. If they ever find themselves in a similar situation, they'll think about, you know, making uh, the, the better choice, you know, that I didn't make. I mentioned the NFL. Uh, last year, NFL ratings dipped. And amidst the big news coverage of the NFL ratings, a lot of people pointed out NASCAR ratings were dipping too. Did you notice that, watch that? Do you have a take on, on why that is? Ratings, yeah. I think um, we, we all would look across the um, various platforms of sport, and except for the NBA, which is doing awful well. Um, a lot of people are down. And we would look at how people are consuming their content these days. Not a lot of people. I mean, even if we think about ourselves, how much TV do we really watch? How often, compared to years ago, do we really sit down and spend watching a scheduled program? And, and, and with social media, streaming online, there's just so many other ways for people to watch uh, the, the same content, and there's not a lot of measurements for that content. So um, from, our, you know, from my point of view, um, I've felt like that fans, especially the younger demographic, that is, that is what's missing from that, um, that viewership number. It's, it's usually the, you know, the 18 to 30-year-old crowd. Uh, they are the ones that are consuming more content online. And so I think that we have to understand where we need to provide that content so that they can see it. They're not all going to sit down in front of a television and turn on a cable box or watch it through satellite uh, TV. But with all that said, uh, since I've been in the booth in Chicago and had the under had the opportunity to see the numbers behind, see every kind of thing behind the scenes that I couldn't see before. Over the last probably month, we've had a real uptick, and there's a lot of exciting things going on in our sport, particularly on the racetrack. The content, the product on the racetrack is really awesome right now. And it's starting to show in, in, the, in the rating number and the fans that are tuning in. Yeah, I wanted to ask you, what else should NASCAR do to try and grow, to attract new fans to the sport? That is, uh, that is the big question for, for a lot of sports right now. And for us, we, we sort of understand where, what the missing part of the pie is, and it's that younger fan. And for the younger fan, uh, they need relatable drivers, athletes, you know, so uh, they need young guys that have the same likes and interests uh, that they do. They need those drivers, too, to, ex to engage, particularly on social media. Yeah, big personalities. Yeah, they need to, and they, those guys need to share what they're doing away from the racetrack, who they are, and take, them, take the opportunity when given to get into publications that are outside the NASCAR bubble. Um, my uh, saving grace or my big break 
was being partnered with Budweiser, and Budweiser got me into a lot of crazy places that I would have never thought I could go, never would have probably went. And that changed my whole life. The trajectory for me and, and my, the awareness and my profile and brand just exploded when we got the chance to do Rolling Stone and MTV Cribs. And all that happened through the partnership with Budweiser. And, I, you know, you've got to leverage those type of partners uh, to, to do the same thing. If you're a young driver and you, somebody says, hey, we want to put you on the, uh, the Super Bowl pregame. I'm gonna, you're going to be in front of 30 million people. You got to say yes. I don't care where it is. Go and do it, and uh, take that opportunity to show people that are that might a lot not not a lot. I'm not going to see a NASCAR race. You got to go there and do that, so you can say, "Hey, I'm this new guy. I'm going to race NASCAR this year. You should tune in and watch. If you hear my name, you know maybe it'll ring a bell. Maybe you'll pull for me and become a fan." I'm glad you mentioned Budweiser. You did so many interesting endorsement deals when you were racing. You still do some advertising. How do you go about picking and choosing what endorsement deals you say yes to? It's really, um, I've been lucky because through my legacy, my father's success and his popularity, and me, I came out of the gate really strong with a lot of success, which was fortunate because it drove, uh, it, it got people excited. And I say people, I mean corporate America got excited about it. Like, hey, this, this is the son and he could be big. Let's get on this train. It's like buying the stock before it goes. And... We had more, we had the ability to sort of choose who we wanted to be aligned with, who were, what brands that were, we were actually using, you know. So when we would say, I'm, uh, you know, I, I'm, I like Nationwide Insurance, you should buy it. Well, I've been a customer since I was 16, all right? And who better to tell you about it than someone who's been using the product? Or Wrangler Jeans. Yeah, Wrangler Jeans has been in my in my drawer or in my closet since I was a little boy. My dad had a Wrangler partnership and we weren't allowed to wear nothing but Wrangler jeans when, we were, when I was a kid. So we've been lucky enough to sort of, I, I wouldn't say have our pick of the litter, but we've been really fortunate to align ourselves with brands that make sense for me. And I think as a person, I used to hear the word brand and brand awareness and growing a brand and never understood what that meant. But to, tr to try to help a younger driver understand what that means, it's basically you're a brand. You need to grow your brand and align yourself with partners that make sense, that tell the story of who you are, you know, that fit with what you like and what you don't like. Dale, Dale Inc. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you have been out of racing for about a year. What have you learned about business in that time? Oh, man. Um, Is that even something you're eyeing, you know, oh, as yeah, you yeah, sort of yeah. move on I mean, from racing? Of course. Yeah, yeah. It just in the past year, though, it's hard to hard to say, hard to pinpoint exactly what I've learned. We've so we have uh, we have a lot of different businesses, and 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 you and throughout my racing career, we've had the opportunity to fire these things up and kind of see what works and doesn't work. Production companies, um, media companies, uh, we own car dealerships. Uh, I say we. Um, when I say we, I mean my my general manager and me and, and my, my whole team. It takes a lot of people to sort of handle all these businesses and things, especially when you're a race car driver and you've got to focus on driving the car. Um, you got to have great people running these opportunities and these, these, these businesses. We, ha we have a, uh, a restaurant that we're opening up in airport hubs across the country called Whiskey River, and it's a restaurant bar atmosphere. We have one in Charlotte Douglas. And we opened in Raleigh and uh, 
Fort Lauderdale, and you know, it's just something that we're hoping to grow across the country. It's we've we've owned standalone brick and mortar buildings in downtown Charlotte, and we just opened one in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, for ten years. And uh, it, I used to, it's it's like trying to figure out if you can create the Foreman Grill. You know, yes. George Foreman has the Foreman Grill, and that's what every athlete or entrepreneur wants to do is is find their Foreman Grill and. Um, so yeah, we've st- we started up a lot of stuff, and a lot of it's still going, and a lot of you know some of it didn't work, and um, you know now that I'm not driving, I can focus a lot more time into those businesses and be a little more hands-on, and a little more connected to the employees there, so, so that, and visual and and uh, active. But I took a job as an analyst uh, in broadcasting for NBC to still be at the racetrack and still talk about racing and still sort of have a have a small role in the growth and the health of the sport. So that's another part of my life too that's kind of just starting. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned the team involved in everything you do. You know, racing, it strikes me that it's such a team-oriented business. It's an individual sport, but you've got the pit crew, you've got your business team, your sister is heavily involved. Uh, You've got all these different people you work with. Tell me a little bit about that, about managing the different partnerships. And then at the end of the day, when you go out on the track, it's just you out there. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, your team is, uh, you got to have a great business manager, general manager that's going to have your best interests in, in, at heart and make great decisions for you, uh, help you understand where you need to focus your time and effort. Um, social media is such an important part of today's uh, world and being able to grow your brand and, exp- and share what you're doing and what your likes are important. So having someone over your social media handles and helping you manage that uh, while at the same time being authentic uh, is important. Uh, having a brand manager, someone that's just, their sole responsibility is to grow your brand. All, and everything you decide to do, whether it's an article or a photo shoot or anything, getting, getting involved in a certain business, how does it affect your brand? How does it, does it help grow your brand? Does it even move the needle? Um, those are important things to, to, to focus on. You can have that person kind of be all in one, uh, you know, jack of all trades kind of thing when you start out. But as you get bigger and you grow your company, uh, you're going to definitely need more people. That's the hardest thing for me is realizing that I need that many people, you know, and having to, you kind of have to reinvest in yourself and hire these certain individuals that are really good at those jobs uh, to continue to get larger. What would your advice be to someone who wants to get into racing? It's such a difficult it is. career path. It is. I mean, when we look at all the different sports, racing is really unique in the, the kind of work that goes into it. And then the danger, obviously. Yeah. Well, the one thing about racing is there's no college level. There's no high school pop warner. Um, and so, uh, the, you know, it's a very difficult question to answer. And I always say that if you're, you know, if you're a young kid that, has interest in rotor sports and wants to get involved, uh, you have to find a local track. You have to be around a racetrack. You have to be at a racetrack. So wherever that is, uh, the local short track and the home track, as we call it, is going to be uh, where you're going to get started. And you can go there and uh, volunteer your services as a mechanic or a helper to be able to learn about how cars work, how to, how to build cars, fix cars. And uh, if you want to be a race car driver, you have to, you have to uh, wheel and deal, go around to certain bi- local businesses, try to get these people to invest in your, your dream. 
and so that you can buy the equipment and get, get started. And it's not that overwhelming, I promise, it's not. And me and my brother uh, raised $500 to build a car and go race, and we were racing on about uh, $40 a week. And I, that's doable even today at the lowest of levels, and that's where you have to start. Nobody gets to start at the top. You have to kind of work your way up, and it starts at a very young age. The kids these days, like I started driving when I was 15, and I felt like that was young. Today, kids are driving at the age of five. They're racing, <laughs> yes, racing in competitive organized leagues, if you will, at the age of five years old. It's incredible that that's even possible. At a, I mean, at five years old, I would have never been capable of understanding the gas from the brake and that there was what the, what the competition was, what my objective was, uh, what the rules of the game are. Uh, yet. You know, they're starting them so young, it's just incredible. But that, it makes it that much more competitive for someone who's 12, 15, 16 years old trying to get in there. You're getting involved in a sport that, uh, and competing against people that have been doing it already for five, 10 years. It's such a male-dominated sport. Uh, but, you know, Danica Patrick obviously has been a big role model to a lot of women. What would you say to women who want to get into race car driving? Uh, well, you know, it's, it's going to be a real challenge. It's going to be difficult, and um, I think about as I have a daughter, a five-month-old daughter, and people ask me all the time, what would I do if she wanted to race? Of course, I would support her and want to, want to do whatever her interests are, but I know being uh, an Earnhardt would be tough, having those expectations to follow in that legacy, but also being a woman and uh, would be even more challenging. So. I was a big uh, fan of Danica's, and we actually got to work with her for a very short period of time when she was driving. And um, I saw firsthand some of the challenges and, and disadvantages she was up against. Uh, it made me admire her uh, situation even more. Haley Deegan's a new driver that we have coming up through the ranks that just won her first race in the Canyon Series. And I think a lot of people are extremely excited about her and pulling for her. And we want more Haley Deegan's out there. We want more ladies getting those type of opportunities that are legitimate opportunities uh, in cars that can win races. Uh, I firmly believe that uh, there is talented females out there that can compete with the men. Wow. Who are some athletes, maybe outside of racing, that you've looked to as role models for succeeding outside their sport in business? That's a good one, man. Um, Strahan would be one. Michael did such a great job transitioning into this TV personality, and he's so well-spoken, and, and you can tell that he's really, really done his homework uh, to make him, uh, you know, make himself uh, so good at what he does. I've gotten to work with him a couple times in some interviews, and uh, I think he is a great example for somebody like myself. Um, you know, there's just, uh, there's athletes today that are still playing. LeBron James, I mean, look at what he creates. Uh, and uh, his he's so brand conscious and aligns uh, himself with partners that sort of reflect his interests. And he's a great example for, you know, current athletes or race car drivers on, you know, kind of how to navigate that uh, landscape. Uh, but there's uh, countless examples of, of athletes out there that have since you know moved on and retired that have became great businessmen and uh, you know have interest. It, you got to align yourself with people that you trust and believe in, but also know the product or the service that you're getting yourself involved in. You know if you if you're 
if somebody's like, hey, that got this great business opportunity and you know nothing about this business, it's a very, very risky proposition, you know, and I would save my opportunity. You're going to have opportunities to be involved in in business and I would save those opportunities and that investment for something that you truly care about and that you're really knowledgeable about. This is Yahoo Finance, so we always ask every athlete we talk to, got any financial advice or stock picks? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, yeah, if you, if you invested in Amazon several, several, several months ago, you would be very happy. Um, <laughs> I, uh, you know, there's some, I, I don't think I have any advice other than um, I sort of picked a couple stock mark. I, I picked a couple stocks that um, I followed for a certain period of time, and um, they were in pharmaceuticals. And so I I read up a lot on some of the uh, some of the illnesses that these companies were were trying to to work on pills and products and treatment for, and. Eventually, uh, bought into a company that was creating a particular product, and so if you're, I think if you're going to really get involved in, that's kind of what I enjoy is sort of finding uh, a niche uh, and learning about it and understanding what it's trying to accomplish, what they're trying to do, and sticking with it. It's a long-term situation. It's not a get-rich-quick. Uh, scheme and you got to be very very patient. This there was one particular company, Orshore, that I got uh, bought stock in a long long time ago, and they had created a take home HIV kit, which was really uh, um, groundbreaking at yeah. the time. And uh, and this ended up being something that they would take overseas to countries that had real bad ec- epidemics, and uh, so there were these kits that you could you could take a test immediately and. I just thought that was an incredibly uh, impressive and and groundbreaking, and so those are the type of things that interest me uh, as an individual. When when I get, I mean, everybody's going to buy into the the trusted big companies and 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 Apple and Amazon and General Electric and things like that. But uh, I love finding these one these little small play, people and you know companies in in the corner that are doing something unique. That I think is cool, and uh, believing in them, getting behind them. When Pandora Radio went public uh, years and years ago, I really got behind that because I thought, man, this is my favorite way to listen to music. And whether the stock wins or not isn't important as much as I believe in the product. And uh, so those are the kind of things I enjoy doing. You do your investing homework. Yeah, a little, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I hope so. I hope to. <laughs> cool. Thanks a lot. Really, really appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Really good chat, man. Thank you. I enjoyed it.